0: All right, welcome back to another episode of Generally Assembled. Uh, We are here listening Generally. I'm Jason Gottesman, joined by... Neil Lesher. And
1: And we have back uh, Representative Torin Ecker, Representative Topper's on assignment again.
2: (laughs) I'm allowed to be back.
1: Topper said I could come back, I guess, for a second episode. You got Jesse Topper's blessing to come back uh, because he was unavailable. (laughs) But, Torin, I'm glad we have you back there was something uh, kind of exciting, well, exciting to us, that happened last week. You're new to this, uh, so it was your first week experiencing it and something unprecedented happened. You have just- Wait, new to what? New to the performance-based budgeting process. All right, there we go, good. It's very exciting stuff. So you were just appointed as uh, the designee for the appropriations chairman to sit in on the performance-based budgeting process. Why don't you start by just kind of describing what that is?
2: Yeah, look, so usually it's a pretty innocuous board where every year uh, for the past four years, The uh, IFO does reports on different government agencies and different tax credits to really determine money going into these entities or to these uh, tax credits. What's the return on investment? What is the performance of these programs? This year, just like every other year, there was five agencies that we looked at, Department of Agriculture, uh, Department of Education, and a few others uh that we looked at this year and usually it's 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 a bicameral by bi- bipartisan group where we accept a report from the IFL, ask questions ask for additional information but also many approve the reports before budget season so that we can get these unbiased nonpartisan reports to the appropriations folks before budget hearings
1: yeah and so um and for those that don't know, the, the chair of the the commission the commission is basically made up of the four appropriations committees and the budget secretary for the governor. And the chair uh, has rotated each year. It's a one-year chairmanship. And this year, the first time that Matt Bradford in his career as the appropriations chairman for the Democrats has had the authority to wield a gavel, uh, he did something kind of stunning, right?
2: To say the least. So, typically, these reports are just about getting them to the appropriations. It's not to rewrite them. And Uh, we got to the Department of Education uh, hearing uh, with the IFO and um, kind of suspected that something was afoot because the report, which I'm sure we'll get into later, wasn't, didn't actually say some things that that the the Democrats were happy about, didn't fit into the Governor Wolf's probably budget address. So they motioned to table the report before we had any uh, discussion, any questions, any kind of feedback on the report itself. So the general public, arguably didn't get a chance to, to hear what the report was from the IFL.
0: so why don't, why don't you go into a little bit of what you think they were trying to hide because you know look everybody supports funding our schools everybody wants to make sure that our kids get the best education possible but you know there's always been a little bit of uh attention as to the best way to, to do that so and I think that's something that got was gotten to in this report that sort of irked the Democrats
2: look we know that the governor is going to co- is, is, is historically asked for historic uh, increases in funding in education it's been something he keeps going to And this report I'll read it right from the report just because I think I'll let you the the listener make the determination because Matt Bradford didn't think you could could use this data yourself By
0: that he means representative topper's mom.
2: <laughs> that, 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 that too. Neil's got friends listening, too, apparently. So so here, here it is. The, this is, the I think, the stinging point of the report, which is why Representative Bradford uh, made the motion to table it. The data suggests that there is little or no correlation between the current expenditures per student and the share of the students that score proficient or above on standardized tests, a.k.a. more money doesn't necessarily translate to better test scores or better pref- school, student performance. Yeah,
1: so the IFO said the quiet part out loud. And, uh, you know, the action from Representative Bradford was to immediately squash and silence the report, which he failed at because the report is still available on the IFO's website. I encourage everybody to go check it out.
2: Oh, and then, by the way, uh, sent a letter two days later explaining why he didn't like the report, despite the fact being pushed by myself in, in, in the meeting. Hey, what do you don't, what don't you like about this report? What are the where's the data points and refused to do so in public?
1: And I think that's the important part, too. Right. Like what all we wanted was a transparent process like. You know, th- that's the point of the Performance-Based Budget Board is to actually have debate and dialogue and, and, and discuss some of these reports because we want it to be a useful tool that down the road is informing how we do our budgets and how we're putting budgets together just like a business would where you're looking at what are the things that have the most impact and that's where we're going to prioritize our dollars.
0: Yeah, and look, I think this just goes to to the overall understanding of, of, of how Republicans like to prudently budget, which just means that throwing money at problems is not the best way to solve them, right? so. If this report holds true, which is the fact that there is no corollary to uh, how much money is spent per student and their overall outcomes, then we need to really rethink how we're getting this money to the schools, right? And and that that is a, a discussion that democrats don't like to have because of their special interest allies and their their thoughts and feelings over uh how the state should be funding education um this flies in the face of, of both of those interests
2: sure and it's important to note so as part of this process when, when uh these agencies in this case uh the department of education are are reviewed by the ifo they also get a, get an opportunity to respond themselves before the report becomes public and the Department of Education sent a letter back, kind of outlining some things that they are going to implement, some concerns they had. Not once did they say, "Well, this data isn't right; this data doesn't look right." They ignored this completely. So right. clearly, the data is right. The data is there. It's just inconvenient. Correct. And right. and and look, it, it, there's this isn't the first time where these reports come out, and there's some stuff in there we need more information on, or we need clarification. That's the point of the hearings is to talk about that. And clearly, the Democrats just didn't want to. Even go that way because they knew they can't talk around this issue.
1: Yeah, I think like one one other area that the board covered this week was the unemployment compensation system. You guys had the Department of Labor and Industry uh, another report there, and um, you know when the Governor campaigned for office, he promised us government that, that works, right? And I think throughout the last two years, there's no greater example of government that works than the unemployment compensation system. That was a joke. You can laugh. Well, at. Uh, um, it's all
0: I keep thinking about whenever I think about all these promises that I hear being made by the governor, especially his his big three, which is jobs that pay, schools to teach, and government that works. All I keep thinking about is, uh, I think it's an 80s song, you know, you make me promises, promises. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. You know, and it's it's a, so- a song about being let down. And right. um, I think as the governor is, and we'll get back to the original topic here shortly, but is about to exit uh, not too soon after eight years in office. Um, you know, it's clear that those three things, he has completely failed on. Um, that, that he, he promised to do so much. Right, but
1: and and I think this speaks to the value of having the, the, these reports put together with the actual data and having an independent office be the one to analyze it and report it. You know, they, we just spent tens of millions of dollars on what they called, uh, you know, the, the the benefit modification and putting together... BenMod. A BenMod. Um, a new system for unemployment compensation. And what the IFO report told us is actually after implementing the new system, you see time the, the timeframes for payments and for responses... Past 14 days actually went up
2: it got a lot worse like like yeah like a it, lot worse like phone calls i think the the they, they were tracking uh call center calls and they went up by a thousand calls i mean so it's just that's really troubling considering we delayed this system you know years and years and years to implement it and to get it right. And then when it gets implemented, it still isn't right, clearly, with the Benmod. Program.
1: Right. And I didn't think the secretary's response to it was all that compelling. I mean, she basically was like, well, we got to wait till COVID's over, you know. But it was like the whole point of implementing this now was because of the calls that you, you're you getting with the, the pressures on the system from COVID.
0: Right. Your, your administration is the one that laid all of these people off. They're still struggling to find jobs. And now you've implemented a system that not only cost taxpayers an extremely high amount of money, but is now causing those same people that you then laid off to be able to not be able to get the benefits that they're owed, that's just a crazy circling firing squad.
2: And claims have gone down, so.
1: Right, claims went down, missed calls went up. That's government that works. Um, speaking of uh, broken promises, you want to uh, next week's the governor's budget presentation. We're, we're already starting to see some details of that leak out. We're seeing some competing press conferences where the where the legislative Democrats are having competing press conferences with the Democratic governor because they even they don't agree on how much they all want to spend. Um, but, you know, just just a reminder for folks, had it not been for Republican leadership really over the last seven years with this governor, we would be paying billions
2: in higher taxes and our spending would be through the roof. It's important to note last year at this exact time in the middle of a pandemic, the governor proposed to increase the income tax. Like, right. Let's let's not forget that. Yeah, these, like,
0: these again, these are the people that the, the Dem- Democrats and Governor Wolf are the same people who shut down your business, told your kids they couldn't go to school. And then they showed up in the middle of a pandemic and said, guess what? For those of you lucky enough to have a job, we're going to increase your taxes. You know, the White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said recently that there is an alternate universe that some people live in, and I don't believe that she could realistically be talking about Republicans living in that alternate universe. I think it's no. Democrats who absolutely do not understand what the average Pennsylvanian is going through, what they actually need, and what they're actually looking for from their state government. They want us to stay out of their pocketbook. They want us to get off their back, and they just want us to do whatever we can to make sure that the private market has the tools it needs to be able to give them a family sustaining job and give them a shot at a better life or the life that they just they they want to have, uh, whatever that is. It's about empowering freedom through government that's sort of the republican vision democrats just want to expand government raise taxes and keep the yoke of uh the the oppressive government bureaucrat on people's necks yeah they live in a fiscal fantasy land really and for
1: the last seven budgets and i don't expect this one to be any different the governor stands up he promises everybody that he'll fund everything they could ever want and then when reality hits and, and and we negotiate a responsible budget you know, then he could, he could turn around and go, well, I'm sorry you didn't get your billion dollars for shiny whatevers. Oh, you know, those that was bad what, Republicans. Oh, those they Republicans, wouldn't do they, it. They wouldn't. Well, we had yeah. the money. But, but, well, we didn't have the money, but, you know. So, I don't know. It, stay tuned. It's going to be interesting. I'm sure we'll have
0: some more hot takes on uh, Generally Assembled. Yeah, and, and I think just real quick, I think it bears, bears repeating, is that there's a lot to be made, especially right now and as we're recording this on a Wednesday, about all of this federal money, right? So, here's 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 kind of how I, how I look at this this federal money is that this is like a pandemic severance from the federal government. Okay, you need help during the pandemic. Things aren't good. We're going to give you a lump sum payment. Now, we have two competing views as to how to use that lump sum payment. Democrats just say, oh, great, we got a huge lump sum payment. Let's just go to Fifth Avenue and start spending. Right. Republicans go,
2: you know what? We might actually need some of this money to live on. You mean – to actually develop a budget. Yeah, and exactly. follow the said budget, like many households and across the state of Pennsylvania do.
0: And the, the independent fiscal office that we're just talking about uh, just projected that by the 2023-2024 budget, we're going to be in a $2 billion budget deficit. So if we were have to have spent all this money already, like Democrats wanted to do, if we were to spend it all now, like Democrats have been proposing to do, we wouldn't have had the money to recently fund our healthcare heroes, our frontline workers, because that money would have been spent. And if we were to spend it all now, Come this next budget, and then definitely in 2023, 2024, we're going to be looking at having to raise taxes or do severe cuts to make make ends meet. All the while, we're basically sitting on the resources we have currently on hand that would be able to keep us away from doing that. So, uh, all the and, keep in mind. And runaway
1: government spending has caused 6% 6.6% inflation growth year over year. And the Democrat solution to combat inflation is more government spending. I mean, it's just
2: lunacy. So I guess government for works for them is that government literally just sends every, all the money to you, so you don't have to work. So government's working is working, so you don't have to. I guess is their mantra because government works for us is getting the heck out of the way. It, right. se- it seems like that's how the first Death Star was formed. Don't don't get me started. Star Wars. <laughs> you know the
0: first little Death Star started. Little reference
1: to last uh, the last episode. So the go Avenger ahead and, talk, yeah, yeah.
0: And actually, the first Death Star started actually during the uh, the end of the Republic. We're spending our way there. If you watch, uh, I believe it's in uh, Revenge of the Sith, uh, Anakin Skywalker then, who's not yet Darth Vader, walks in on Palpatine and he's looking at a model of the Death Star before the the Empire actually has happened. Also, one last thing about the Death Star. Did you know that uh, after it was blown up and he died on this, throughout the Empire it was known as Tarkin's Folly? You know there's over a million people on the Death Star when it blew up? Over a million people. That's insane. <laughs>
2: Jason's geeking out here on the Star Wars. Yeah, I'm learning all kinds of new stuff. This is why we do it.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, also I highly recommend James Luceno's book uh, Tarkin, Star Wars book series. Jason,
1: I think you should just start your own podcast about Star Wars. <laughs> well, I was trying to turn this one into that, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll just wait you're for you to leave. find some new guests. <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right. Well, uh, I think we've we've hit it all here. Uh, this uh, another very special episode of Generally Assembled um, for uh, Jason. That's myself and I'm Neil and, and I'm Torin. Uh, all right, that's uh, that's generally assembled for this week. You can find this podcast where all your favorite Pennsylvania House Republican po- podcasts are found, podcast, and still on Spotify. All right, we're out.